Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Life Watch Eric podcast, a window on science, bringing you the latest from the e-science infrastructure for biodiversity and ecosystem research. I'm Julian Kenny, and today we're talking with Professor Alberto Bassett. Alberto, good morning. Good morning, Julian. Nice to be with you today. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Now, we want to talk about the Internal Joint Initiative, but you, as well as being director of the LifeWatch Eric Service Centre in Lecce, you are Professor of Ecology at the University of Salento. Could you just give us a quick introduction about ecology? What, what do ecosystem functions and services mean? Well, as every individual has the functions, uh, uh, also ecosystems have their own functions. And functioning in the ecosystem is coming from uh, the activity of the species that are in the ecosystem. For example, we have pollinators. And pollinators sell plants in order to actually reproduce. And then pollination uh, is a function. And since this function is also used in the ecosystem by other animals, which are going then to feed on uh, fruits and feed on seeds that the plants produce, that is coming to be ecosystem services. Because they are serving the community of user, which is represented by all the species that are feeding on uh, uh, fruits uh, and seeds. And as all the other species, uh, we are using uh, ecosystem functioning. We are using ecosystem functioning in terms of uh, food production, and then we are using uh, uh, these products that are going to be good for us. Well, we are fishing, and the fish are good for us, and then the fishing, the Fish production is a service. But then there are also services and functions that are less apparent to us, but even much more relevant than the production of fish. For example, the activity of plants in bringing oxygen in the atmosphere. Our atmosphere is completely dependent on the biological activity of ecosystem. So... Our life in the earth is possible because then we have had uh, this evolution of the first uh, species producing oxygen and using uh, CO2 to produce biomass. And then atmosphere composition and the regulation of atmosphere composition is one of the key ecosystem services. And we could go on for hours about that, but I think it's, 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 I think it's enough no? in terms of uh, a just brief introduction. No, that's wonderful. Thank you. You really explained, you know, how we or human society, human life depends on functioning ecosystems and the services that they supply. That's excellent. So our main topic today is the, the internal joint initiative. Um, can you explain a little what that is? Well, uh, internal joint initiative is an internal project that LifeWatch has planned to fund uh, in order to address uh, some uh, key ecosystem challenge and biodiversity challenge using uh, and setting up in uh, a more advanced way is uh, virtual research environment. And then uh, uh, for this reason, we were focusing on uh, one of the most 
interest and appealing great challenge that's going to be the rule of alien and invasive species in ecosystem that is actually a great question which is going to be the rule because if we look at the on the long term then basically every species can be an invader so we we have invaded as a humans a, a, a huge number of ecosystem and then continuously we have species that are coming from other biogeographical area and are entering in our in our region so which is their rule are there a, a, a potential uh, a species supporting ecosystem function and services and producing and uh, uh, increasing the efficiency of ecosystem or are they going to be uh, a threat for ecosystem uh, uh, function and services. And then what we realize uh, is that in many cases, uh, in the short term, these new invaders uh, can become a, a really important threat to biodiversity and ecosystem. Basically, because uh, ecosystems are simply not adapted to them. So the species in the ecosystem have evolved, co-evolved with each other and are completely exposed to the activity or foreign species which are entering. So that is, that is why we selected uh, invasive alien species for our internal joint initiative. And then uh, that is a bit of the story. Excellent. So the invasive species, in a way, have always been there, but they may be growing in number, growing in severity around the world. Um, how does yeah, this... That is, Mm. Oh, so sorry for entering again. That is almost always happening at the very beginning of the invasion, because at the very beginning of the invasion, uh, this 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 species could take some sort of freedom, and uh, uh, some uh, uh, we can say priority access to a number of resources that make possible their uh, uh, numerical explosion. But then after a while, they start. Uh, competing internally. They start to have strong intraspecific competition. And then in most cases, then they start becoming adapted to the ecosystem and then becoming yes. a, a species of the ecosystem. So that, yes. that is going to be the long way process. Yes. Okay, excellent. Now, how does this virtual research environment help us in you know dealing with non-indigenous and invasive species? Well, then you need then to imagine this virtual research environment as a <coughs> huge and perfectly equipped laboratories, which are not physical, which are not based in some building, but they have the huge advantage to be on the web. Uh, uh, it is a huge advantage because it is going to be difficult to have in the same research center facility that are going from uh, 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 research uh, ship uh, to satellites uh, to uh, genomic uh, sequencer and other kind of uh, uh, physical equipment. But we can have all this equipment in the virtual research environment through their data. So they are the data that are produced by physical equipment all around the world that can enter 
the virtual search environment, then be aggregated to ICT, from ICT equipment, and then produce result. Uh, so it's, it's, it's a, an impressive advantage that can also take the uh, uh, computational power of the new supercomputer center and of the new uh, cloud option that, uh, that we are increasingly having uh, in this period. And, and within this virtual, as in cloud-based laboratory, we talk about workflows for, you know, for various different um, analyses. What is a workflow in this context? Well, that, that is easy. It's what every uh, uh, researcher is doing uh, in its own environment, uh, in its own laboratory. So uh, in order to make a process, they are going to basically collect some animals, then take the animals, put under microscope, then recognize the species, and then eventually make measurement of their body size and or uh, biovolume or something things. Uh, in some cases, they need to measure this animal or then they collect some uh, tissue of the animal and then make uh, assessment of uh, the uh, genomic characteristic, of the enzymatic characteristic of the animal, and on many other things. That is exactly what... Uh, a virtual research environment, a, a workflow does. So at the workflow, instead of uh, taking the animal with your hand and doing all the process, then you're going to take the data and say to the computer, okay, then they start to processing this animal and eventually recognize him using artificial intelligence in a proper way, and then make measurement, join this measurement with the measurement that you are controlling from the sequencer with the genomics, and then on the uh, protein content or some other thing, merge together and then see how they're entering the respiration rate of the animal can affect the movement of the animal in virtual, in uh, physical laboratories, and then make all this computation and all the analysis without any need of a, a, a input of the humans, but simply with the language that is machine to machine. So nothing different from what is happening in a real laboratory, but without the need that we are doing things. Simply machine to machine are colloquiate and move data from the very beginning to the final graph, uh, tables and text. And at a much larger scale as well, because these facilities can handle unimaginable amounts of data. That of course, that of course, yes. that, is, that is the game at the moment. Okay, and this, so the internal joint initiative has been going just over two years, and we've had some validation cases we'll be talking about in subsequent podcasts. Um, can you just maybe update us on what sort of results have we seen in the joint initiative so far? Well, uh, we, we can divide the result into two, two levels. So we, we have, uh, we have had the uh, technological result that are related to the setup and the uh, uh, progressive improvement of our virtual research environment. And then we also have had a number of scientific results that were actually uh, helping the researcher to, to, to go a bit deeper in the understanding of a number of properties of this invasive alien species. For example, one of, one of the validation tests has shown that uh, the uh, trophic level, the position of species uh, uh, in their own ecosystem is going to change uh, through the process of colonization. 
and it's going to be affected by the uh, uh, abiotic condition, the environmental condition that are in the different type of ecosystems. So we are going to understand much more on the process of invasion and the process of co-adaptation of the invasive species in the new environment through this kind of analysis, this kind of study that were made possible by merging into a single workflow, into a single virtual research environment, huge mass of biogeographical data on the, the species, on their information through stable isotope analysis on their trophic requirement, trophic position and trophic niche bread and then getting the final result. So that, that is going to just an example and each validation case brings an example for different scientific question, different type of ecosystem and different species involved. And the, so the technical development is still going ahead. There are still more and more results to be seen in various research cases. And all of this can be made available to people outside of the research community. Of course, of course, that, that, that is, the, that is the, the great thing. So we, we need to speak and to bring to the population, to the people, to the normal people, and we need to bring uh, normal people and particularly young people, students at the school, entering science, simply entering the door of our virtual research environment and trying to learn more in a very simple way using something that they are really able to use. So it means computer, it means uh, the uh, uh, multimedia technologies that for, uh, for us that probably are not uh, uh, so young, uh, it's going to be not, not uh, instinctive, not, uh, not immediate, but for the young generation is. And then uh, it's a fantastic way to bring young people into science because we need it. We need to have them in science. We need that they understand how science is important for their common life. And that is another opportunity that LifeWatch is giving with this joint internal initiative. And then there are publications that are going to be produced through the uh, work that has been done uh, by the different scientific group. Alberto, it's, it's, it's wonderful stuff. And I, we look forward to developments in the field. It's obviously ongoing and critical to the health of the planet and of our, our very selves. Thank you very much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Julian. It has been really great for me. And uh, just to repeat to our listeners, um, please visit our website, www.lifewatch.eu. Get in touch if you'd like to know more about our data, our services, opportunities to collaborate. Um, we thank you very much for your presence today and I look forward to seeing you on our next podcast. Goodbye now. <laughs>